With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair with probably the most knowledgeable City podcast ever with three very wise, talented guests and me. Who have we got? Well, we've got the amazing, the wonderful, the fantastic, the adorable Graham Reed. Good evening. We've got A View from the Blue, Stephen Allwise. Hello, hello. And we've got Stato Paul, De- uh, Paul Denby. Paul Denby. Thank you. Yeah, good evening. Uh, and a happy blue year to everybody too. Welcome to 2017. An awful lot to talk about because it's been a few weeks since we've had a podcast. And just to quickly run through the games we haven't covered, I don't for a moment propose we go through every one of these, but maybe we could think about the highlights and lowlights maybe from everybody uh, regarding, in no particular order, uh, West Ham away, 5-0. And before that, Burnley at home, 2-1. Two, two one. Uh, the one loss uh, away at Liverpool, one nil, and then Hull away three nil, and then Arsenal two one. So if you include the Watford game before that, that has actually uh, five wins in six games. So uh, we've got a situation that we were talking about before we came on air, where Tottenham Hotspur on an amazing run, looking like sort of championship potential, and we're in crisis, and yet we're on exactly the same point. So what's going on here, Paul? Well, that's a point that I first made, and the ch- the challenge there is that Tottenham are on a good run. If you're, and we we started off well, whereas we have faded, albeit we've come back in the last five win, of, five wins yeah, in six games. Well, if you let me finish, they've come back with five wins in six, game, six exactly. games. One of those is the cup. So Tottenham are on a perhaps a little bit better run than we've been on up until our recent form. I think we're doing okay. If somebody had said you're going to be seven points behind Chelsea, you might be a little bit upset about it, but. We're doing okay. We're not. We're not necessarily the finished article, but we're challenging. Seven points behind Chelsea, not good enough, Stephen Allwise, at this stage of the season. Yeah, well, 
I think we are on a decent run, five wins in six. It doesn't feel like that. It feels like there's been a fair amount of negativity. Now, whether that's due to performances or Guardiola's interview after one of the games or Liverpool, that loss in the middle where it was a big game, we knew it was a big game. And actually going to the ground, I don't think anyone expected us to win. And that feeling from the fans of going and expecting to lose. But take that out and and we've been producing the results. I'm not sure performances have always been as good as they were at the start of the season, but I think we've had a blip. We started off brilliantly. We've had our blip and and now the challenge is to maintain the good recent form because I don't think we can drop too far behind Chelsea from where we are now. 20 games, 42 points. Are you happy with that at this stage? Well, yes. If if you'd asked me in August, I think one of the problems we've got is that... um, the start was so good and the expectation got so high that uh, from that moment on, uh, it was difficult. But I think the squad, you, you, you only got to look at the squad. I, and I, I hear what Pep says, everything he said from the start. And I don't think he's got everything right. But when we were winning, he didn't say, he said, don't get carried away. When we played Burnley away and somebody at Palace away and we won both games 2-1, I went to both games and, and, and we didn't play particularly well at all. Having said that, we won the game, but he came out afterwards and said what I thought, which is always a good thing, isn't it? If you go to a game, he didn't come out afterwards and say, oh, aren't we great? We won 2-1 at Burnley. And what did he say? What was it he said? He said it was, we managed to win, um, but we didn't play particularly well. It was a good battling performance, lots of second balls. This is Burnley away, not our home, sure. by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so all along, he, it, it feels like he can see what's going on. And obviously he was delighted like the rest of us were going to West Ham, where West Ham were absolute tosh. But we still play some wonderful stuff. Stephen, I think, as Reedy says, it's those two games, I think, which not remarkable in any, in any way because we beat Palace and Burnley. But as fans, we'd have all said two tricky away games. I think we went a goal down against Burnley to come back a few players missing and we showed the spirit and character that as fans you want to see in that type of situation. And yet Pep took the opposite view and said, well, we won, but not with the style of football that I want to play. And that that's quite a bold move for a manager. He's so wedded to his style of football. He's got such faith in it. And we've discussed how that has impacted upon our keeper this season. And we've talked about that to death on here, but he's so driven to play in a certain way that even two good away wins that as fans we'd say, job done. Performance not great, but job done, he's not happy with. And he's he's so driven to improve the players and to get them playing in a specific way. And I think whether it's this season or more likely the next couple of seasons, we'll see the benefit of that. He's changed it a lot though, hasn't he? He's, we've not got a settled side at all. Does he know his best side? Because certainly, you know, the back, back three, back four, different central defenders... I don't think he does know his, his best defensive lineup because he, he alternates the fullbacks, particularly nearly every match. And I thought he got it a little bit back to front. But who am I to argue with Pep? He's a much more experienced manager. So I'm not sure he knows. I think he probably thinks that we too, do need two new fullbacks because I think the four that we've got there are showing their age. They play reasonably well in t- at times, but not consistently well. And uh, there's, there's one of those four that I, I've never rated and I'll. I mean, Kolarov just doesn't do it for me as a fullback. He's okay going forward, but he's not a fullback. Um, so that, that's the area he needs to address, and I think he will do. I think the back four against West Ham in the Cup, it's the first time in a long time that Kolarov didn't play. I think that's our best back four. 
Stones and Otamendi as centre-backs while company's out. Stones and Otamendi. Sanya, I think, is our best right-back at the minute, defensively especially. Clichy, I think, is superior to Kolarov. And there's a strong argument to say that Caballero at the moment is more secure than Bravo. If most fans would say that, just just for argument, Reedy here, and just leaving the keeper to one side for a second, because we, we may come back to that. We tend to talk about it every week. So if we've got time, we might talk about it again. But with that back four, accepting that Vincent's out for the time being, why do you think he is changing as much as he is back there? Because a lot of fans are, are concerned about that. He's starting to get a bit of criticism from from the fans about that. What What's your view? Well, he's had he's had injuries to certain certain players. I mean, the left backs uh, have been swapped about since they were both there. None of them have ever played consistently. Um, and um, Stephen's right that Kolar- and Paul is Kolarov is hopeless defensively. You can go back to Mancini. He went through a stage where he tried to play him left midfield, but of course, the only reason he's effective going forward is he comes from where he's not being marked. So he has to come forward from left back, but defensively. He's a nightmare. So unless we're playing at home to a team that aren't really going to come at us, he's not. He's never been the best left back for us. Um, and Zabaleta has obviously been great. Sanya's quite solid, but I think it's obvious to all, including Pep, that come come August we will have two new. Don't matter who they are, we'll have two new fullbacks. We'll come on to that in a minute. I'm keen to just maybe just go back to these games, leaving the Liverpool game aside and maybe leaving the West Ham, the Cup game, but looking at the three league victories since we were last around this table, uh, the Burnley one at home 2-1, the Hull one away 3-0, and Arsenal where we came from one down to to win 2-1. Which was the the game that probably did it for you? You got a big smile on your face, Stephen. Which which excited you most of those? Arsenal. Uh, Not just because we beat... A big rival who'll be there at the top of the table come the end of the season. Well, fourth at the end of the season. If you're lucky. I think we played very well. Um, We looked quick. We had so much pace. We had Sané on one wing, Sterling on the other. And every time we attacked, we just looked dangerous. And it's something that we've said in in previous seasons. The team's ageing. We're a bit slow now. And it's something we've just discussed on the fullbacks. But going forward in that game, I thought Sané was brilliant. Um and looks to be settling in. Sterling, another one, he's, his form has, has mirrored our season, really. Started off well, better than we expected. Mm. Then had a slight dip and now looks to be coming back to somewhere near his best. I, I just think if we can replicate that level, um, you know, beating the big teams isn't something we've, we've made a habit of doing over the last few years, but I think we thoroughly deserve the win against Arsenal. I think we can be very positive about the Arsenal performance and the others as well. But cast your mind back to half-time in all three of those games. Arsenal were losing 1-0 and the other two were drawing 0-0. We are a one-half team and we've done that consistently this Mm -hmm. season against too many opposition. We let some teams take advantage of it. Sometimes it's the first half we've played well. More often than not, it has been the second half where we've tried to wear teams down in the first half by passing the ball and getting them exhausted. But I'm sorry, when you're playing Hull and you're 0-0... And when you're playing Burnley and it's nil-nil, it gets very frustrating for the fans. And then you can see that we can actually murder these teams, Hull in the second half, Burnley 2-1. It doesn't sound like murdering them, but we were playing with 10 men. Sure. And that does take a, take its toll. And I just don't understand why we can't play for 90. Arsenal game, the one that, that did it for you as oh, well? Oh, fabulous game. Uh, played terrific. But, I, but I'm, I mean, I heard last week, I watched the Chelsea Spurs game. Obviously, the Chelsea game, <laughs> no matter what anyone says, I mean, Chelsea, great. Good luck to them. But no one's ever going to tell me they're a great side and they, you know, whether they win 13 games or not. They're not in the class of the, you know, the uh, Arsenal team from 10 years ago, etc., etc. Because 
to be fair, if De Bruyne scores a goal or the centre-half uh, Luiz gets sent off, which he should have done, on everything else that's been going on, which I, I'm sure contributed to Pep's meltdown, if Luiz should have been sent off, De Bruyne scores 29 times out of 30, I guess. 2-0, 10 men, could have beaten Chelsea by five. Very, very, very... Di- no, seriously, if you're winning 2-0 against 10 men, you could have gone on and won by five. Obviously, we're, we're pressing for the game. They score three... Good luck to them. They score three good goals. And by the end... But, but no one... I know it sounds... If you go out and say that outside of this room, people think you're mad. No surprise they got beat by... And I watched the Tottenham away game at Chelsea. Tottenham murdered them the first half and were really unlucky to go in. And then Chelsea scored just before half-time. So, yes, Chelsea are the best team because they've got the most points. But they haven't played in Europe. And I'm not sure there is a really good side amongst the six, um, which is fortunate for us, I think. But uh, there you go. All right. Uh, as part of that, you, you mentioned Pep's meltdown. Let, let's just sort of touch on that as well. It, it, was it a meltdown? Was he? Was, would you be as harsh on him as, as Reedy was there? Pep's meltdown. Yeah. Was they, you're talking about the Burnley game, I guess, aren't you? Straight after that, when well, he, he was, was in, he was cross. Uh, what was yeah, he? I, what I was think he cross? He came what was across he? terribly. I'm, I'm not sure what. I'm not sure if it was just that Burnley game and and Fernandinho getting sent off that that caused him to react like that because. You know, you can't have too many complaints at the red card. It was probably an orange. If he'd have got a yellow, we'd have said he's slightly fortunate to get away. A red, you think potentially a bit harsh, but 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 the problem is, Stephen, and 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 I feel it as well. And I'm I know everybody, every team thinks they're hard done by, but you watch the lad from Man United, the, the centre half, made two awful challenges, yeah, and it yeah. hasn't happened. We have the David Lewis situation, and we have had to harp on. We're seven points behind Chelsea. Have we beaten them? You take three off them, three up. I can't work it out my head, but that means there's one point difference. Let's be totally fair. There isn't anybody that doesn't think that David Lewis shouldn't have been sent off. Oh, I agree. So we win that game. And, and now if you're Pep, what he has done, unlike Ferguson, unlike Wenger, hasn't said a word yet. But, said, but really, that was weeks ago. We're talking about it was after it, the So why it, was he so because, pissed off after the Burnley because, game? Because finally you get to the Burnley game and Fernandinho gets done. And, and I, I don't think, because I'm old-fashioned, that Bravo was fouled. I think it was a good old Burnley. I think it was a goal. Having said that, this weekend they had, a, they had an incident with a goalkeeper. I can't remember it is now. It wasn't, it wasn't an arm across him. He gets a free kick. And you think to yourself, sometimes, I noticed it with Pellegrini as well, if you're nice to people... You end up, they keep doing it. They keep, you keep getting bad decisions. You're much better being Ferguson because they all get nervous of him and they get all the decisions. That's how it works. But that, that's nothing that Pep won't have seen before. You know, he's been managing a while. He'll have been on, on the receiving end of that. I, and as you said before, he's been so honest in all his post-match interviews. He came out actually after the Chelsea game and said for an hour he was thrilled with us because we played exactly how he wanted. I would have thought the tone after that Burnley game is... Brilliant. We fought with 10 men for an hour. We've managed to scrap our win despite you know, circumstances and without going over the top about the referee. That's the time to praise the defenders who've been under the cosh uh, this season, received the criticism, praise them, go out and send that positive message. Because I thought he came across, actually, if that was Mourinho, would have slated him. Were you disappointed with Pep's response? Yeah, of course I was. He, it wasn't what you were expecting. He could have just got out of bed the wrong side. Simple as that. He had a bad day. I mean, all right, we won, but he doesn't. His his body language and the way he talks doesn't just necessarily reflect the one game. He, he doesn't just necessarily live for the ninety minutes. He could have an argument with, with with his missus before the game. Who knows? We, we we don't know what causes it. But effectively, it was one bad interview. 
It does. If he continually does that, I'd get concerned. Mourinho does it all the bloody time. Let, let's focus on the players. Back on the players for a second. So Fernandinho sending off. It's another three games. Is the four? <laughs> sorry, four games. Um, to ask the question that the interviewer asked Pep, is there a discipline problem with Fernandinho? No. No, because the European game, he shouldn't have got a second yellow. That was pathetic. Well, is it pathetic? And I, and I was watching. I was watching someone talk about it the weekend on the telly. And because he's had three sending offs, they said uh, it was Paul Ince actually on that whatever program he was on, and said they showed the incident against Burnley. They said there's Fernandinho recklessly tackling, uh, and he he's he's constantly done it throughout. He said he's had three sending offs. Well, against against uh, Munch and Gladbach away, I don't think he actually made a foul in the whole game. He managed to get sent off. So and 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 to be fair to him, yes, he was. Of course, he was very 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 silly against Chelsea. Fabregas could have should have gone as well. Of course. That that got missed. They're the sort of things that end up with the with the the uh, commentary after the Burnley game, because the C- the City Chelsea are terrible. Aguero's worst tackle of the season. However, if you're losing a game, you, you really felt you should be winning. And David Lewis is laughing in your back because and you're a referee, Nigel. It, there's, the referees can ruin games because as a ex, as a player that played and, and I'm quite as you know because you refereed me. Quite the worst thing that can ever happen. Is the injustice. If you feel injustice, you will go and sort it out for yourself. And Aguero did it. Fernandinho did it. He was silly against Burnley. Of course he was. But the other two, I haven't got a problem with either of them. You got an issue with Fernandinho? No, I think he was, as Reedy said, I think he was silly against Chelsea. That was needless. Um, And the Aguero challenge was awful. But it's something that I think we... I don't want to say we have a disciplinary problem, but it's something we've seen over the past two or three seasons, actually stretching back to Mancini maybe in the last year, that when we're losing, um, we often actually ship three or four. There's not that many times we lose 1-0, 2-1 and it's a tight game. Think of all the times, whether it's Ajax away in the Champions League and Middlesbrough in the FA Cup, Spurs away in the league. We just seem to capitulate in a sense um, and against Chelsea, I think we played well, but you could just sense that last five minutes, they were frustrated. But to make a challenge like Aguero did, you know, to take him out of the team for four games makes a difference. I think it's it's just something we have to be a bit uh, more clever about. And with the Gundogan injury uh, and Fernandinho out as well, this is uh, giving us a bit of an issue in, in midfield, isn't it? Well, it's interesting. He played Zabaleta, didn't he, he on, did. against West Ham? And he, he had a good game yeah. because he also started flipping about, flitting to right back as well. So effectively, he, Zab sitting in there played, played a good game. And I think he can feel, fulfil a role there sometimes. Depends who the opposition is. I won't put him there against a top, top team, but he did all right against West Ham. I would have liked to have seen Garcia given more than 20, 25 minutes. I thought. I would have started with him, but then when and you're three not, up at half-time, just take Yaya off and, and bring him on. Why is he not starting it? Because it was the perfect opportunity, wasn't it, to start, to start him I in, don't know. in the game? I, we've not seen him give that many chances to kids. Maffeo's played a couple of cup games. Angelino, I think, has played one. Garcia, a couple. It's whether or not he doesn't quite think they're ready yet, but you'd have thought that's a perfect chance for, for Garcia. The issue he's got, of course, is certainly the kids are now out on loan that if we do progress in the FA Cup, he can't do what Pellegrini did last year against Chelsea and play a junior team because he's got no juniors really left unless he plays the youth team, in which case... Um, he's, well, not, he's not going to do that, though, is he? I wouldn't have thought no. so. No. We'll see. Well, listen, let's, t- let's take a quick break and we'll be uh, straight back after this. Mm-hmm. 
When it comes to a software vendor audit, you need to park the bus. Call zero two zero three eight one seven four double eight zero or visit Livingstone Tech dot com to find out how. Uh, well, welcome back, and let's let's talk about. Uh, we've talked about defence. We've talked about midfield. Let, let's talk about. Uh, Cunaguero, and we'll all be now aware that he's now number three uh, in the list of City all-time goal scorers. Um, who are one and two? Stato, help us with this, please. Johnson and Brook. Indeed. Eric Brook and Tommy Johnson at 178, 166. And Sergio has just gone on to 154 with Colin Bell, who, of course, scored his from midfield on 153. Uh, City legend. He is, and he'll always be a legend for the goal he scored against QPR. I'm going to be a little bit controversial here. Sometimes his interplay between other... He doesn't pass the ball as as much as I think he should. Sometimes his first touch isn't fantastic. Sometimes it's brilliant, but sometimes it isn't. And you think, why? He is a fantastic player. Probably one of the best strikers in the Premier League. I think he could have scored even more goals. A criticism of the legend that is Sergio Aguero. How do you respond to that, Reedy? I'll go with him and say there are times he's frustrating. However... All those years we watched City without Aguero, uh, <laughs> particularly down in Division 2 and Division 1. And, and you watch people like Gary Lineker for Barcelona and Everton, <clears throat> who did nothing outside the box, and then he'd score a goal. And you think, bugger, I wish we had someone like him. And we have now got someone like him. And the best time with Aguero sometimes is when he Nacho plays. And you think to yourself, please get him off and get Aguero one. <laughs> so, uh, and that basically applies with Jeco when he was there. Obviously, he's gone on to Rome and done great things. I think Aguero. <laughs> uh, there are times. There are times I appear that he doesn't always seem to try quite as hard. Some sometimes, but his record speaks for itself. It's. I think minutes per goal was the greatest in the Premiership League, Premier League history, and he's just one of the greatest footballers in the world. Which side of the fence yeah, are you sitting here? I, I think it's very fair. I, mean, I think if we we probably have a tendency to look um, and think, well, he's clearly a brilliant player. He should be able to do everything. Well, I'm not comparing him to Messi, but Messi doesn't track back and put in tackles in his own box. He basically stands there, gets the ball and does something special and scores. As, you, as Reedy says, you look at Aguero's goal-scoring record, minutes per goal, it, it's brilliant. I think at times we'd we'd love for him to work harder and and show that he's probably a bit more engaged than he is, but there's no one you'd rather have to when that chance falls to someone in the box. Just just very quickly I, I, on this show previously, I'd said that Michael Richards had done his one to eleven and not picked Aguero because he didn't train hard. Lampard was on a show the other week and they asked who got fined the most in his in his, all his teammates in his career. And him and John Terry sat there thinking of a Chelsea player. And then Lampard said, oh, that's easy, Aguero. He always turned up late. He took his fines. He never bothered to turn up at the right time, did the right things. So there's obviously two blokes who have trained with him every day. He obviously, his attitude probably isn't first class in training from what you can gather. Uh, Pep obviously has his moments with him. But when he gets out there, he just tends to score a goal. And that, I guess, is what frustrates Pep, that he can see there's more to come from Aguero, that he's this good now. If he just put in that extra 10 15%, he could take him to the next level. But I don't think we'd swap him for anyone. Correct. 
So talking of swapping, we may not be doing any swaps, but certainly the January transfer window. See what I did there? See what I did there? Yeah, very yeah, very, you're very good at this, Nigel. It's good, isn't it? I'll, I'll you, you, we should get you on the Man City stage, Nigel. You reckon? Yeah. Yeah, one day. One day. That's my dream. My dream to be on City Square uh, again. So <laughs> transfers in then. Uh, Stato, you, you know the, the European scene. There's <laughs> plenty of people being linked to, to the club, of course. Um, which we, what, you've mentioned fullbacks. We, we've got. Is that going to happen in January, or is that actually we're going to have to wait till more are available in the summer? What, what's, your, what's your view of this this transfer window? The January transfer window does not tend to be the best one. We, we always know the two. The, the summer one's better. Pep said he's not interested in anybody. You, you'll never know whether they're doing some work in the background. The rumor mill says Rakitic from Barcelona. I, I'm not sure. I, I'm really not. I don't know who we could get in the January transfer window. If there were better fullbacks around, yeah, we'd go for them. But I'm not sure there are at the moment that we could pick up in the January window. What about Holger Badstuber from Bayern? Well, he's is just he, gone is... to Schalke on loan, so oh, um, probably not for us. But if we're looking at defenders, someone who knows the Premier League who could come in on a short-term contract, there's uh, someone, I think his name's Martin Demichelis, who's just left Espanyol. Um, could could go, could go after him. Pace at the back, that's what we need. He's a bit similar to what we've got, isn't he? Slow and old. <laughs> I read yesterday <laughs> that according to some Premier League stat, that Otamendi is the best centre-half in the league. I saw that stat as <laughs> Unbelievable. well. Unbelievable. How do they work that out? Absolute, What's it based on? Uh, but they go to most sliding challenges yes. <laughs> per 90 minutes. <laughs> to be fair, he's been very good, I think, He the last turns month. up to training on time, pays his fines, gets yeah, no, fines. no fines. Actually, against Burnley, though, when we're under that... The cosh a bit. The last twenty minutes, I thought he was excellent. Yeah, I think he he's, he's had I think good he's patches. Been, he's had good twenty minutes here and there, but he's. I think he has a lot of good games, but then he'll he'll have a bad game where he'll just go to ground every five minutes, and you question <laughs> what on earth is he doing? Or he'll make a mistake and we're punished for it, like Chelsea when he tried to tackle on the halfway line, got turned, and Costa was away. Uh, I mean, silly things like that. But he, he is a good defender. What about midfield? Are we going to go into the market, do you think, for a midfielder as well? I, heard, I read in the paper today that Jack Wilshire is somebody we're looking at as well. Is, is that, he's just gone to Bournemouth, hasn't he, from Arsenal on loan? So is that a name that sort of fills you with joy and pleasure? Oh, I'd love to see Wilshire at City. Yeah. I will, yeah, yeah. No, I like Jack Wilshire. And as he's getting fitter, he looks stronger, but he won't come in January. No, and, and if he does come, he'll just sit on the, on the couch with their company and Sane is, is too injury prone as well for me well sure he's, he does suffer what is more important the Champions League the Premier League or the FA Cup to Manchester City I don't think any of us are going to say the FA Cup good I I as a fan would say the Premier League I'm sure the club and the owner and the hierarchy would say the Champions League I will say I would love to win the Champions League. We're very lucky. We've won the league twice in the last few years, 12 and 14. The best we've done so far in the Champions League is that semi-final where we're pathetic against Real Madrid over the two legs. I would love just to win it. It's in my lifetime. Ditto. All right, let's talk about the FA Cup then. Um, because so would leave that we... <laughs> let's, let's talk about the FA Cup. Um, because... You've done a bit of work, haven't you, Stato? It's true, true to your name, because uh, we've got a, an away draw, having beaten West Ham 5-0, and you three were all there. Just quickly before, we, it was my wife's birthday, so happy birthday to Nicole, and uh, I wasn't allowed out. So, uh, what first visit to the stadium as, as, as a football ground for you, Reedy? Football ground? As a football ground. Oh, right. Uh, no, it's lovely. But I, do you know, when I watched it, I thought, I'd love to have seen Mo Farah run round. That would have been a good night. 
Uh, <laughs> didn't have a ticket for that. Uh, City winning 5-0 wasn't a good night. West Ham... No, but if I'm, I'm looking at it from West Ham perspective. For City, it was great because there was nice toilets and, you know, there was you could, no queue for the canteen and all that sort of stuff. But... Uh, if it was a football ground, and particularly for West Ham, there was very little atmosphere. The ground for the team they've got, with especially Andy Carroll playing, the ground, the actual the actual size of the ground is too big for them. Because obviously Upton Park, you can you can win the ball on the edge of your box and thrash it up thirty yards, and Andy Carroll's there, and people get round him. It's the way they play at the moment. But the players they bought to go play on that big stadium. They knock it up to him, he's isolated. Two blokes are 50 yards away on the wing. It's a huge place. It's a place for, it was perfect for City. And it's not surprising Arsenal got five there. It's a passing place. And West Ham, eventually, I'm sure we'll get players in. But if you, it's, it's like QPR going there. You know, QPR have to buy players that will suit Little Loftus Road. But were you in the upper tier? Were you, Stephen? Yes. So that was I, like watching what? No, I think it's a lovely stadium, very modern, as Reedy says, T- great facilities. And I thought the security, which you know, we've all seen the press reports about, absolutely no problem whatsoever. Lots of police, lots of stewards, very good on segregating the sets of fans, nothing to complain about. It was like watching Subutio, for those that are old enough to remember oh. Subutio. It was, it, it's a great stadium. I did go join the Olympics as well. Fantastic stadium. It's not a football stadium. It's struggling because the gaps between the pitch and the uh, fans is too, too great. And the upper tier, you are a long, long way from, from the game. But Stato, we have another away draw. So uh, Palace or Bolton away. How, how do you respond to that, Stato? Well, we've, that's the fifth away draw on, on the run. If it's Palace, that'll be the fifth Premier League away draw on the run. I don't know what the statistics... I know the statistics of five away draws is one in 32. I haven't worked out the statistics of playing five Premier League teams uh, consecutively away from home, but it will be astronomical. If you stuck a tenner on it before we played the third round last year, you'd you'd, you'd have hundreds of thousands of pounds now. It's a fix. So you're suggesting it's a fix, are you? Well, I, I did some analysis. I was really pissed off when we got the, the draw last night. I thought we could have got a... There were so many opportunities once the top five other teams had gone out or the top four teams had gone. So I've looked at who we've played over the last five seasons compared it to the other teams. We've had a tough draw by a long way. Liverpool, uh, by comparison, in the last five seasons have drawn a team on average in the middle of League One. We have drawn a, a team at the top of the championship. So our matches are the equivalent of playing Newcastle every single time. Liverpool's equivalent is playing somebody like Charlton every single time. It's a bit ridiculous that. All the other teams also have got very much easier ties than we've had. We're also, our away ties outnumber our home ties. Chelsea have had eight out of 12 home ties. Statistically, it's just, our ball is heated. We he- should change our name. Heated ball, it's all fixed. You're you right. heard it here first. Thank you, Stato. Uh, let's look forward to the weekend and back to the Premier League. And uh, we go to the thieving Scousers, the Blue Scousers at Goodison Park. I'm looking at you, Stephen. Okay. Uh, I will answer the lack of question that there was there. Um, let's hope it's better than our last trip to Merseyside. Uh, they... I was going to say they're struggling. I'm not sure league position says they are struggling, but I think there's just hints that the fans are a bit restless again at, at Goodison. They don't seem to be fully behind the squad. I think it's probably a season of, of transition for Everton. They're trying to bring in these younger, quicker players. Um, Lukaku is someone who, on his day, is, is a beast, an absolute physical specimen up front, but, again, doesn't always try hard, doesn't always have the best movement. 
um, but has caused us trouble in the past. I think if we go there and and show the spirit that we showed against Burnley, combined with the quality of football we know we can produce, we'll be fine. You see, I can I think after the Liverpool defeat, we then sort of had that battling performance against Burnley with ten men. We then put five past West Ham. I think we could go on a run here, and, and I'm feel, I'm actually feeling really positive and think we can go there and win quite easily. That's my view. Would you share that view? Of Everton, I do share way? that view. I think we. Um, I don't think Everton have been great this season. I, I always fearful of going to Goodison at night uh, because it's a fantastic atmosphere there. So playing at lunchtime is a good thing. Um, and I think that if we can get into our stride early on, uh, we concede a lot of early goals of late. If we don't concede one in the first twenty minutes, then I see us coming out comfortable winners. Yeah, I go with that. I'm feeling optimistic. I'd like to see if Sane's fit again, getting back in there because he played well just before he got injured. Everton's one of those grounds we've got a reasonable record in recent years. Um, we can we can go there. I'm with Reedy. The, the fact that it's a, a lunchtime game helps because a night game's at Goodison. The, the crowd do get up for them. So uh, yeah, I, I'm optimistic. And just looking forward finally to to the league table itself. And, and we've talked briefly, Reedy, before just about Chelsea. And it's is it theirs to lose? They're 49 points. Liverpool 44. Spurs and City 42. As we know, is it is it Chelsea's to lose? Oh, now? definitely, definitely. And and and. Listen, at the beginning of the season, I'd said that Chelsea and Liverpool have a massive advantage because they have, well, I think we've played so many extra games. And I mean, Liverpool, another issue altogether, dropping loads of players when they haven't got anything else to play for was ridiculous on Sunday. Um, so Chelsea and Liverpool, it'll be between those two. Chelsea possibly to lose, but I'm not sure they're as good as everyone's trying to tell me. Um, but they are a good, solid side. Would you put anybody else in the mix other than yeah, Chelsea put, and Liverpool? I'd put us in the mix as well. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's Chelsea's to lose, but as Reedy says, they've not they're not a great team. You can see them dropping points. I think all the big teams are going to drop more points. Yeah, it's going to be five or six challenging at the top. Um, I think we've got a decent chance. And finally, Paul Spurs Arsenal don't get a mention in this in this bit of the conversation. No, a man of few words, but lots uh, of statistics. I think Spurs flatter to deceive sometimes. Arsenal mentality isn't there. I think it'll be Liverpool, Chelsea and City will be fighting it out. Chelsea got a tough run coming up. They've got Leicester away, which you might think is easy this season. But Leicester at home are a much different beast than Leicester away. As we know. (laughs) As we found out. And then I think they've got Liverpool as well very soon after. And Liverpool got a couple of tricky games. So they've got their tricky games coming up. Ours are in March when we play three of them close together there's a now so we'll see what happens by mid-February we should we hope we've crept up on them by then because otherwise challenge fantastic well huge thanks to my three guests to Graham Reed, to a view from a blue Stephen Allwise and to Stato Paul Denby this is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening and we'll talk to you all very soon this is a playback media production to listen to all our football podcasts visit playbackmedia.co.uk sports social podcast network Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.